Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I am Allie Wentworth, and you're listening to Go Ask Allie, where this half of the season, I'm asking, how do you grow a healthy relationship? In this episode, we're chatting all about that insane lifelong commitment many people make to one person, marriage. And today I'm talking to an outstanding guest who's been married to the same person for several decades. How have they done it? My guest is Marlo Thomas, somebody I admire so much and love. Marlo Thomas is an actress, producer, author, and social activist, best known for starring on the sitcom That Girl and her children's franchise, Free to Be You and Me, which I grew up on. She's received four Emmys, a Golden Globe, and a Peabody Award for her work in television, and she's been inducted into the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame. Thomas serves as National Outreach Director for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which was founded by her father, Danny Thomas, in 1962. In 1980, Marlo Thomas married talk show host Phil Donahue. And with that, I'm here to pick her brain. Thank you for joining me on Go Ask Allie, Marlo. Hi, Allie. Are you going to ask me or am I going to ask you? We're going to ask together. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. It's going to be a marriage of minds on this podcast. (laughs) Okay. So you guys have been married for 40 years. Right. Very commendable. And I have been married to George for 20 years. Great. And I do think that there is something very similar 
to my marriage and your marriage in that you and Phil are very different people and George and I are very different people. And I'm sure when you first got married, everybody said, well, it's not going to last because I know when I got married to George in the Greek Orthodox Cathedral, people were in the back row making bets on how long it was last. (laughs) And it was like six months was the winning number. But look at us. Right. Yeah. Well, they talked about us like, oh, she's a Hollywood kid and he's a Cleveland guy. And that, you know, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. Of course not. Anyway, my parents, my parents were from the Midwest. My dad was from, from Toledo, Ohio, like one exit from Cleveland. So I was raised in that kind of middle class, you know, you work hard and you go to Catholic church and, you know, all the stuff that he did. I went to Catholic school. He went to Catholic school. Um, so a lot of our upbringing was the same. But I think what attracted us, you know, uh, uh, right away was our sexual attraction, of course. But then just the fact that we we thought about things in the same way, you know, we mm-hmm. we worried about the same things and we we were so much alike in our love of work. You know, well, let me having- let me ask you, I'm going to we're going back to sexy. Don't go so fast <laughs> because you went on Phil's show. That's when you first met him. Right. 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 And right. I was set up on a date with George, but I knew who he was, just like you knew who Phil Donahue was. Kinda. And so when you went to go do the show, did you think you were going to be sexually attracted to him? No, 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 no. no. In fact, I didn't even want to do the show. It was at nine o'clock in the morning and it was one guest for one hour. And I was on a tour for a movie. And I said to my press agent, I'm just not that interesting at 9 a.m. for a whole hour. The only person I don't want to do, which is you have to do it. He's the biggest thing in the Midwest. You have to do it. because He wasn't in L.A. at the time. So I said, OK, OK. So I went. And when he walked in the room, I swore to God, I thought, oh, my God. Those blue eyes, that white hair. I mean, I just thought, wow. So right away. But, uh, yeah, right away. Yeah. And then we went out on, on the stage on his show, and we just flirted. And, I mean, it was really, I mean, it was embarrassing, you know, if you saw it. They showed it to me later, and they sent us a tape of it. And I just thought, oh, my God. I mean, I, I was talking about feminism and about being a strong woman, about never being married, about what I wanted out of life and all this stuff. And while I'm saying all that, I'm going, oh, Phil, you're hilarious. Oh, Phil, you're so <laughs> just a total moron. I mean, I just look ridiculous. And we went out the next night and we became lovers. That was it. We just went went for it. It's amazing. Good for you. Surprising. And that I'm, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not that kind of girl. It just wasn't the way I did things ever. Right. I waited a while. I wanted to be sure. I wanted to see, you know, if I could trust him emotionally. I mean, I had a whole lot of laws and rules about these people called men. Yeah. I was very careful, but I wasn't careful at all with Bill. He asked you out? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I left Chicago and I had gone to Denver for the next part of the tour. Mm-hmm. And he called me in Denver And he said, I'd love to see you. And I said, well, I'm in Denver. Uh, Is Denver very far from Chicago? And he goes, oh, (laughs) no, I'll come to Denver. I said, great. So he came to Denver and we had dinner. And then we took a walk and it was raining. And the studio had a limousine for me. But Phil, you know, Mr. Cleveland, he would not get in the limo. We had to walk. So we we walking and it's raining. And he gave me his coat and his top and wet. Anyway, we get back to the hotel and we became lovers. And the next morning, he raced to get back to Chicago to do his show at 9 a.m. 
and he had lost his voice because he'd been walking in the rain, I guess. And howling. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too. I had to put a sock in his mouth. But but that you know that was the first show that he ever did that uh, that couldn't go on. He never had missed a show in his life. The second time he missed a show, we, we were in New York and he spent the night and the weekend. And then Sunday night, he didn't want to go back. So he said, I, I'll, I'll take the early plane in the morning. Okay. Mm-mm. So he, he spent another night and, and the plane was late or was whatever the hell happened. And he missed the show. And his producer, Pat McMillan, who's fabulous, she came into the office and she said, Phil, this woman is just not good for you. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> this isn't going to work. And he said, I promise it'll never happen again. So that was two shows in his entire 29 years. Because of you. Because of me. So Anybody knows you can't rely on flying to Chicago. I know. <laughs> Flights are always canceled. He just that was the strength of wanting to be with you. Oh, yeah. And my wanting to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't discourage it. I said, yeah, what a good idea. <laughs> so we had an extra night, you know, and when you're really crazy about somebody and you only have a weekend, it's not enough. You know, he land, he lands on Friday and he leaves on Sunday. I mean, it's nothing. It's so it's so interesting, Marla, because, you know, George was raised in Cleveland, too. Oh, yeah. And when I met him, he was living in New York and I was living in L.A. Yeah. And it was the same thing. We had a long distance relationship for six months. Right. But I do remember a few times missing important engagements because I wanted to be with them. And that right. was all that mattered to me at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also remember going to his bachelor pad for the first time. What was that like when you first went to Phil's apartment? But he had kids, so it was a very, very different world you walked into. Well, yeah, and it was it was terrible, really. I mean, in terms of privacy, four boys. Yeah, oof. You know, and he was living, you know, like a dad. They had they were completely trying to organize themselves. It was very sweet, and they all had. Uh, their names written on their underwear, and I had never, I had never been with a man who had dad written on his underwear. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't think that stops you just a bit. Like, oh wow! <laughs> See, I had the opposite when I when I was dating George. He had this bachelor pad in New York that was like oh. you 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 know clapped your hands and Chardet would start playing and the fire would light and you know it was <laughs> I, I walked right into the web. Oh how great! But you famously did not want to get married. You were a feminist. You saw no reason for it. Right. And I actually like to joke that I have a box of engagement rings because I was <laughs> always the runaway bride. Really? Wow. Yeah, and yet. Six months into a long-distance relationship with George, he proposed. Actually, it was two months he proposed, and wow. which was a huge leap of faith. But but I kind of knew. I just knew. And I'm curious, what changed your mind? Why, why marry Phil? Well, first of all, we didn't get married for three years. Mm-hmm. He, he proposed to me after about six months. And I said, oh, no, you, I'm, I really am crazy for you, but I don't ever want to be married. So he backed off and we continued this very exciting, you know, three day weekend, two day weekend thing. And he just became, he became essential. I mean, that was simply it. I just, I could not be without him. And we broke up once 
for three months, obviously, before we were married. Because it was so, I was living in L.A., and he was living in Chicago. So that four-hour trip was really rough. And at one point, we both said to each other, after about a year and a half, maybe, that this was just too hot to handle in every way. He's got Mm -hmm. four kids. He's on the air every day. I was making, I made about a dozen television movies that I produced and starred in at that time. So I was working like a maniac and it just wasn't working. And we said, you know what? It's great. I'm crazy for you, but this just, it's, it's too disruptive. He said, I can't leave my kids every weekend. Mm -hmm. And I said, "I, I can't like not be there for the rehearsal or the edit or the music scoring. So we broke up for three months and it was the best thing to have done because that's when I knew I can't, I can't live without him. And he did too, I take it. Yeah, he was skiing with his sons. He'd taken his four boys skiing. He was a really, and still is, but he was a really good dad. And he had, you know, custody of his kids. His, his ex-wife had their daughter and he mm-hmm. had the four boys. And so they were skiing somewhere and he called me at three in the morning. Thankfully, I was by myself. And I picked up the phone and he said, I, I never thought anybody could be this irreplaceable. Hmm. And I started crying and he started crying. And that, that was it. Yeah. He felt what I felt. Yes, it's terrible. It's a pain in the ass and all this traveling and it just completely disrupts our lives. But this is what we got. Yeah. So we did it. And he said to me, I can't leave Chicago until I've got my boys out of high school, which was like another four years. And so then we bought an apartment and we, this apartment, actually, we created this apartment. Well, so we've been here 40 years, 35 years. We lived in another place and then we waited and then he moved the whole show here, the whole staff, everybody. Which is incredible. We put our lives together. Well, it's, it's what we had to do. I mean, yeah. When you fall in love, when you really fall in love, as you have, I mean, I know what you and George have and what we have. If you really fall in love, there is nobody else. It's hard to believe, but there's nobody else on the planet to this day that I want to be with. And you got to make it work. Yeah. So you make it work. I used to I used to joke to George because I was living in L.A. and obviously I knew his career was was essential and that I would have to move to New York. But at one point I said, well, you know, I just bought my first house and I'm writing screenplays and I'm doing all this stuff. I said, why don't you leave ABC News as the political correspondent and do Access Hollywood so we can both live in LA? (laughs) And he hung up the phone. Um, (laughs) I said that to Phil. I said to him, why can't you live in LA? I mean, this place is loaded with interesting people. And he said, "I I don't want it interview those people <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm not interested in those people I, yeah. I, he said i can live in new york or washington those are the two places that i can live so we moved to new york and made a life here yeah i mean do you believe in the concept of it one person there's that one person out there for you i didn't used to think that at all in fact when i was single i mean there seemed to be all kinds of men that looked exciting <laughs> and interesting you know i had a great time Yeah. No, there just comes a time when I think you do meet this person and that's the one you want. And Mm -hmm. and I have never been tempted by another man. I mean, not that they're tempting me, but I'm saying I've never looked at another man and thought, oh, boy, I wish I could be with him. I've never felt that. I'm, I'm completely satisfied. Yeah, I've never felt that either. But I wonder sometimes I wonder if sometimes maybe 
because I had experiences before I met George. Yeah. You know, right. I I had the French director and I went out with the British actor and this and that. So I know what that is. Right. So when I'm at a restaurant and I see some, you know, simian looking guy, I know what that <laughs> is. I've been there. I don't, you know, there's no fantasy that goes along with it. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the good part about getting married, you know, not at 22. Yes. You know, when I think of who I went out with when I was 22 or 26 or 31, even it was like, seriously? Yeah. No. But yeah, I think you need some time. You know, they say men need to sow their oats. Well, so do women. I agree. You know, you know I agree. We all need, you need to experience it. And then and that's how you can narrow it down to say, OK. Yeah. So you don't one, you got to test drive a bunch of cars before you buy. Right. Exactly. But you do. Especially with a lifetime warranty. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which reminds me, we're due for a tune-up. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more to come after this short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back with more Go Ask Alley. I actually have a friend who is going through a 
horrific divorce. And she said, you know what? Don't ever marry anyone you wouldn't want to divorce, which it's interesting when you think about it. Like if, if God forbid, George and I got divorced, he would be a kind person. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be a monster. He would be fair. And I thought that was an interesting way of twisting the idea of marriage. That's why we didn't do a prenup. You know, uh, our business managers both were insistent that we do a prenup. And Phil and I talked about it and we said, it's like betting against ourselves. Yeah. We're going into this forever. God forbid something happens. I trust that you'll be nice. Yeah. And I trust that you'll be nice. And so we didn't. And I'm glad we didn't. Again, we didn't have an escape clause. I think that's important to say, I'm putting all my chips on this. Yeah. We didn't sign a prenup because neither of us really had any money to prenup. (laughs) Um, So George and I were so lucky to be part of your book, What Makes a Marriage Last, which is a wonderful collection of inspiring and candid conversations between you and Phil and other married couples. Uh, It's just a beautiful and helpful read because each couple has their own story and their own obstacles they've overcome and their own way of, quote unquote, doing it. And I want to talk about a few of those sort of universal challenges that come up in a marriage to hear your perspective and what you've learned in the process of writing this book and what makes a marriage last. Mm -hmm. So the first one is infidelity, because, you know, that's a huge marriage breaker. (laughs) And it's it's. And it's something that I've known people that were able to get through it, and I've known people that haven't. And did you talk to people who were able to weather that storm where somebody was unfaithful and they kept they kept the marriage going? The only person that admitted to it was Jesse Jackson, and he had a child out of marriage. And she's a firecracker, that Jackie Jackson. And she said, and she calls him Reverend. She says, I call him Reverend to remind him of who he should be. But she said, she says, I have five children. The Reverend has six. Um, And she said something so interesting. She said, this marriage is a test of my character. Wow. I said forever, sickness and health and rich and poor and bad, good and bad. and, And that's why I'm here. And we have our marriage. And I'd say to women, stay away from him. He is already taken. So she came to grips with it. I said, did you throw him out? She said, of course I threw him out. But then uh, he's not going anywhere. He came back. So they got through it. I, I don't know. I know Phil wouldn't get through it. No, no way. In fact, we were talking about this with Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos because he was very jealous. And Phil was very jealous when we first started going together. And I did a movie with Chris Christopherson. And he was Ooh. so sexy. I mean, really, I had to remind myself literally <laughs> that I was married because we made out all day in this mm-hmm. particular love scene. And Phil was very jealous of him. And he came to the hotel where I was staying in the middle of the night, Phil did. And I opened the door. And the minute I saw him, I thought, oh, come on. <laughs> so I said, come in, come and look and see what you can find. And he said, oh, no, I just missed you. I said, oh, I know you did, dear. Come in. It was like four in the morning and I had to be up in a half hour. And Kelly Ripa said to him, what would you have done, Phil, if Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. had been there? Mm-hmm. He said, I would have I would have turned around and left. And I said, that's right. She said, well, my husband, there would have been police tape. I said, I know, but he would have been so brokenhearted and so disappointed. And I think that would have been my reaction, too. I don't think I could come back from that. Yeah, I, I've talked about it with George, too, because, 
you know, I love to put scenarios in front of him, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> and I used to say, okay, so you, you come home from work unexpectedly. I'm in bed with somebody else. And George always says, you know, I, I think I would quietly walk out heartbroken. And that would be that. Like, I, I, I you know, I, I could not bounce back from it. Yeah. I said, well, I'd have a full, jealous, dramatic rage. <laughs> and I'd throw things out the window onto the street and I'd, you know, write a book. Right. And then have a movie made about it. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't have been able to. I don't think I'd be able to weather that. I really don't. It'd never be the same. Yeah. It'd never I think be the same. Trust is, trust is hard. And, you know, my hat's off to couples that are able to do it. Um, addiction. Yeah, there's a lot of addiction in the book. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. And Chris Guest, they've been married 38 years, 37 years. Uh, she was addicted to all kinds of prescription medicine and stuff. And he didn't even know about it. And then he started to notice it. And But they had to weather that. I mean, it's a big thing for somebody to go into the STEP program and all that. But he didn't even notice it at first. It's interesting. He just said that he he, he thought she was drinking a little bit too much. And he mentioned it once or twice. But he didn't know it was also connected to pills. And she said, I've never been a better actress. She said, addicts are really good actors. You know, she said, you just, you really learn how to hide it and where to get it from. And, you know, they go to people's houses and she, she'd go through their medicine cabinets. She was a real addict. Wow. And, and she's so gifted and smart and a writer and a good actress and all these things. Did you, did you talk to people that were unable to jump that hurdle? Did they talk about previous marriages or things that didn't work out before they married that long-term person? Yeah. No, not because of addiction. The people that had, uh, Ted Danson was married. This is his third marriage to Mary Steenburgen. And, and it's in their it's 30th year. It's a great marriage. They're, they're adorable. But I said to him, how did you have the guts to go on to a third marriage? I mean, I would have thought, okay, I, I don't know how to do this. He said, well, I realized that I had to stop being a liar. I just thought that was so startling. And I said, well, what did you lie about? He said, I lied about everything. Uh, he said, I, I cheated. You know, I was unfaithful all the time, but I mostly lied about who I was. He said, because I had this vision that a man with a woman has to be strong and be the white knight and have all the answers and be the one that, you know, can carry the burden and all that. So I pretended always that that's who I was, but I wasn't. Yeah. I was crumbling inside. I was a mess inside. He said I was a hot mess most of my life. I think that would be true for a lot of people because, you know, I think back on the relationship I had before I met George and I was completely acting. I wanted to be whatever he wanted me to be. Right. And so if he wanted me to be, you know, sexy actress girl who could also make a baked chicken, you know, I, <laughs> I, I tried to be whatever he wanted me to be because I didn't want him to leave. Right. And I remember when I met George, I made a very conscious decision that I was not going to play games. You know, I was not going to, I was staying with a friend in New York uh, when we had our first date and he asked me out for another date. And the friend that I was staying with was whispering behind me when he called and said, you know, I'd love to take you out again. And she says, tell him you're busy. Uh, and I was like, no, go away. And she said, tell him that you have a date with Prince Albert of Monaco. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, get out of here. And I I 
decided I was not going to play any games. I was not going to pretend to be anybody I wasn't because, you know, I really liked him. And it wasn't going to be a thing if he didn't genuinely like who I was. And oh, it made all the difference so in the world. It, I'm sure it did. No, it would. I'm glad I did. I mean, you know. Yeah. Now, one of the things <laughs> that I like to talk to my girlfriends about, some of which are in your book, Mariska Hargitay and I talk a lot about how couples fight. And George and I certainly have come a long, long way from when we were first married because I was a mean fighter and George was a shutdown fighter. So I would scream and yell and he would get very quiet. Now, after 20 years, we've learned to immediately confront the issue and then deal with it in a loving way because nothing, nothing good comes from blaming. And, and, and now we, we each have each other's handbook. Like, we know. We understand each other. We know what this is. Exactly. But you must have talked to a lot of couples about fighting. Right. And how they learned about themselves through fighting. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you do. I mean, with with me and Phil, we were kind of like you and George. Phil was the, you clam up, and I would chase him. I would chase him to get him to hear what I had to say because he didn't want to hear it. The minute he knew it was a fight... He'd scream and yell, whatever, and then he'd disappear. And I would scream and yell and follow him until I could get <laughs> something to happen, some some resolution. Mm -hmm. We finally came to a place where we could, you know, well, now we rarely fight. But we came to a place where he would listen. And I, and I realized an interesting thing. Kelly Ripa said this. Uh, she said she realized that she would fix her face so that no matter what Mark said, she would not change the expression on her face so that she could get him to tell her what was bothering him without him thinking she was judging her. And I thought that was so great because I think I kind of did that too. Instead of reacting, I learned to let him get it out. Let mm -hmm. him say what it is and don't defend yourself on everything. Let him say it. And then when he got all out, he was better. Yeah. But I, because I would fight the minute he said something. I said, I did not say that, that you misunderstood that, you know, whatever the hell it was. He just needs to get it out. But I, one of the things that James Carville said that we now use as one of our mantras is that when they're in the middle, he and his wife, Mary Matlin, yeah. Yeah, when, when they're in the middle of one of those circular arguments that we all have, he says, uh, let's just kick this can down the road. He said, and I think every good marriage has like a whole alley full of cans. And it's true. And when Phil and I get into one of those where you're going around and around, he did say one day, let's kick this can down the road. And we both started laughing and we thought, <laughs> it's so true. This is a this is something that is of no importance. Yeah. It's you said you would. No, but you said you would. Well, you said you take it. No, you said, you, you know, and it just means nothing. And you can slam all the doors you want and, and not talk for an hour or two. I, I can't stay clammed up for too long. I'm not the kind of person that cannot talk to my husband for three days. And I know people do that. Yeah. I, mean, we, we, I, can't, I can't do that. No, we, and, can, we, we don't go to bed angry. I mean, we've had a lot of sleepless nights, but we won't go to bed angry. Right. We do that, too. Did you ask Mary Matlin and James Carville about fighting about politics? Did they, early on in their marriage, have to sort of take that off the agenda? It was interesting. They said politics is something we do for a living. You know, our life is about we got kids, we have family, we have a house, we have cooking, we do all this stuff that we love. 
we try to stay away from politics. That's just what we do for a living. Yeah. Which is smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I think if Phil believed in somebody as awful as we've just been through, I, I don't know that I could have handled that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think I probably would have killed him. That's yeah. why Kelly and Conway and her husband were so fascinating to the American public. Yes, I don't know how they did. I don't know. But, you know, also Kira Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon, they lost all their money to Bernie Madoff. Yeah. 30 years of savings and put it all with Madoff. And, and it was suggested by her father, her stepfather. And Kevin didn't blame her. I mean, they didn't go into that. They just sat down and said, okay, well, let, let's face it. And they and they got stronger from it. They actually became closer they did. from it. And they said, and they faced it. They said, look, we're not money people. That was, that was our own idiocy. You know, we're right. not money people. We're actors. And they have a terrific marriage. Well, you know, what was fascinating, though, when you're asking these questions is that because they wanted to do a book to find out what's the secret sauce mm-hmm. of a long marriage, we didn't come across people who had divorced their spouses or they had divorced, you know, previous ones. But what we learned really is that the people who stay married, they still go through all the crap that everybody goes through, some worse than others, but they're not looking for the exit sign. Mm-hmm. That really is the difference. Yeah. If you decide that this is it, you know, Kira Sedgwick said, there's no plan B. So no matter what happens, now you and I have said, well, infidelity would be our exit sign. Maybe everybody has one, but thankfully they didn't come to it. Right. So whether it was infidelity or losing their money or, or sickness, like Michael J. Fox and, and uh, Tracy Pollan. Yeah. In the third year of their marriage, he got that diagnosis. Third year. I mean, that is a huge thing. And I I know people, I I know couples who've broken up because uh, one of them was ill and uh, with a degenerative disease like MS, and they couldn't deal with it. They're partners. They are life partners, yeah. Mike and Tracy. Absolutely. Abs- and they're very much in love. And and it, that's that's an interesting couple to bring up, too, because I think – it was no question Mike's illness was something that they were going to fight together and they created the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And it was it was his drinking after he got the diagnosis. Right. That's when right. Tracy said, are you kidding? Like, uh, we're not doing this. Th- we're not doing this. Like, I can handle Parkinson's. But, you know, right. the drinking is the game changer. So forget that. And that went on for like a year and a half until he got a hold of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I said to him. Were you afraid that she'd bail out on you? And he said, well, I was afraid that I would be bailable. And one of the things was my drinking. And I yeah. had to, you know, put that together. But uh, she's, she's. I mean, I, I, I left them in tears. I, yeah. I, Phil wasn't with me. He had the flu. And I, I kept the date because they were traveling somewhere. And when I was walking home, because they're just a few blocks up the street, and I started crying and I thought, I'm crying because being with them has made me love my husband more. Being with them has made me realize that this is marriage. Yeah. And they and they get it and I get it. Yeah. And it really it was a very emotional not because they they weren't they weren't emotional. Right. They were just natural normal people. But he was having trouble, the usual trouble that we see and she was 
not fixing it for him. You know, she wasn't moving things for him. He was who he is, and that was fine. And she wasn't trying to make it look better. I, I just was so, I thought that's what, that's what it means to really love somebody and accept all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, it, just, it just really touched me. Yeah. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back. I wonder if you think this is true. I, uh, speaking of Mike and Tracy, who are good friends of ours, and we we might have been traveling with them when you kept that appointment. I find that George and I gravitate towards happily married couples. Ah, uh, absolutely. And are uncomfortable with people that aren't. Um, and I, I can tell you, I think people that are in kind of rocky marriages tend to want to be with people in rocky marriages, you know, but George and I are completely uneasy and don't feel our authentic selves if we're not with other people that are kind of from that marriage tribe. And it's really bad for you, too. I mean, Phil has told me that, you know, everybody will be talking and he'll be talking to this one guy who's like really putting his wife down. 
And Phil said, I feel like I'm supposed to say, yeah, I know, Marlo's really rough. But I, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, I just, you know, say something stupid like, oh, God, that's rough, you know. Yeah. But he said, I, like, I'm expected to be one of the boys to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that you do wear the energy of an unhappy couple yep. or an unhappy person. I mean, if you're with the woman who's unhappy, you're going to leave the luncheon and feel, Jesus, I'm just down. I'm really yep. down. I'm, car- I'm carrying her thing with me. Also, unhappy married people zing each other. Yeah. And you know me well enough to know that I'm a bit of a fixer. So like if a couple is arguing, I'll say, oh, he didn't mean it like that. Yeah. That's, that's not what he, you know, I'm going to make it all work now for them. You know, you're insta therapist. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's bad for me in many ways. I, I'm, I'm a bit insky, as they say. I I had the experience of when we certainly when we first moved to New York from D.C. that I was asked to lunch by women I didn't know very well, but that were, you know, graciously inviting me out and they would become bitch fests about their husbands. Just, oh, he's driving me crazy or I can't stand him or, oh, I'm having an affair. And, and, And I just I couldn't breathe. And I ended up writing a chapter in one of my books about how. I felt, boy, I'm so uninteresting. I go to these lunches. I'm not screwing the tennis pro. I I don't hate my (laughs) husband. I have nothing to say. Does anybody want to talk about Syria? You know, I'm not going to bash my husband just for the sake of bashing it, which, by the way, is different from if you and I went for a walk in Central Park and I said, you know, I'm, I'm having a problem with George. This is what it is. Can you help me fix it? This was like real husband bashing in a, in a way that I couldn't stomach at all. Right. Yeah. No, I've I've been with women who do that, but also with women who've asked me to lunch and said, you know, my husband is like really screaming all the time. And what do you do? And, and, and sometimes also about, you know, not having enough sex or something. And you say you want to help because that's 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 loving. No, I've I've now that we're at this age, I lately I've been saying coconut oil a lot. <laughs> you and coconut oil. I'm telling you, I have friends that are like, oh, I don't know. And I go, just coconut oil and call me in the morning. Um, you have said that marriage is the cushion of life. And what do you mean by that? Well, you know, when you get rejected, you know, and who doesn't? When something doesn't go well, you know, what, what brings you down in whatever way, either brings you down emotionally, whether it brings you down about your own self-esteem and your own worth. Whatever happens where somebody hurts you in some way. And then there's your marriage. And there's your guy mm-hmm. who says, oh, honey, you have this and you have that. And as you know, I talk a lot. And I'm the kind of person who might say the wrong thing at a party to somebody. But if I do, if I say something and I shouldn't have said it, and I think I hurt somebody's feelings or whatever, I'll come home and I'll say, to oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Oh, my God, I shouldn't, whatever. And Phil would say, oh, come on. You were the most interesting person at the party. Everybody was crazy <laughs> about you. He won't let me go there. That's great. He won't let me feel bad. And that, and that is what I, but that's a tiny thing. When you lose your dad, as I did, and I was brokenhearted and it was sudden and it was over like that in the middle of the night, I thought I'd lose my mind. And Phil was just over me and on me. And he was, he was yeah. the cushion. Well, that's that's a good mate. And I, I love it because I think George is my cushion as well. But I also wanted to instill in our marriage that 
you know, we're both there for, you know, the difficult times, the hard times, and there will be many more in our future. And at one point in our marriage, I said to George, you know, we're there for each other. We support each other. We are the cushions. We are the blanket, all of that stuff. And I said, but we also get to be the celebrators. You know, I said, we have to do both. You know, George is always the person that downplays everything. And I'll say, you just won a Peabody Award. Can I bake you a cake? You know, and so I tried to instill that in our marriage as well, that we can be the support system, but also the biggest cheerleader. Right, exactly. I think that that is the other cushion, you know, the, the cushion of joy and and of a party, and of a horn, and a funny hat, and hooray for you. I completely agree. Completely agree. Phil has done that for me. I won an Emmy. Had this big surprise Emmy party for me. Uh, And we've given each other so many surprise birthday parties, but I am a big celebrator. You know, when I first met Phil, he said, look, I don't, uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to Valentine's Day and stuff like this. And I said, okay, but I do. So you don't have to get me anything, but I, I'm not going to stop being who I am. So I would always give him, you know, whatever I got him, pajamas with hearts on it or jockey pants that said I love you or some dumb thing. <laughs> and little by little, he started buying me a present because he was like embarrassed. I said, you don't have to give me a present. I said, you know what I really want is one of those cards that says, you're my wife, you're my life, with a little red satin heart. That's that's really all I want. And I have thousands and thousands of cards. He got presents and flowers too. But really for me, I want to just hear it. Yep. I want to see it. I'm the same way. George writes me a card every Valentine's Day and on my birthday. And even for our two daughters, every year on their birthday, he writes like a 10-page letter about the year that they had and all the you oh, know, how great. exceptional things they had. Yeah, it's it's the words mean a lot. Yeah, they really do. They really do. I And I think if you let your partner know what it is you want, you know, that's what will make me happy. I don't need, you know, a Jaguar. I, I, I need that. And I think uh, then you can have it. You know, yeah. I think yeah. they will give it to you and you will give it to them. I always know? say to George, you know, I don't like jewelry. I don't like fancy clothes. I, you know, you're lucky that way, but I do love, I do love a nice love letter. Yeah. And not on text, handwritten. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have your guidelines. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have to be with a plume and a feather. A Sharpie will do. (laughs) But I, I wanted to end on something. My stepfather recently died and he was 99 years old and he was my mother's third husband. And I went up to Maine to see her, to see if she was okay. And she said this wonderful thing to me about marriage. She said, you know, the first two husbands, she said, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was feeling. You know, I I did what I was, you know, supposed to do. And she said, and I met your stepfather. His his name was Louis. She said, I met Louis when I was 62 years old. And I went, oh, this is what being in love feels like. Uh, And she uh said, you know, I already had four kids and I was going away with him for the weekend for our, you know, first sort of love weekend. And she said, I was sweating. I didn't know what to wear. She said, it was like I was a virgin all over again. (laughs) And they were married for 30 years. Oh, wow. And she said, you know, what is so amazing is that this man that I loved with all my heart he lay next to me. 
he died in my arms. And right before he died, he mouthed, I love you so much. And she said, you cannot ask for the ending of a marriage to be any better than that. And she said, now I'm grieving because I miss him, but I don't grieve any things about, oh, I wish I had. Right, right. I wish I had said this or done this or we had this or, you know, she says it was pure to the very end. And it just, it made me feel so good because I thought going up there, she was, you know, going to be a a wreck. Right, right, And she just, she was smiling and just so at ease. And it made me, it, it made me, sort of walk away crying the way you did from Mike and Tracy. And I can only hope that George mouths I love you to me, you know, when he drifts off. So, you know, and I thought, that's a marriage. Yeah, that's, that's a marriage. That's right. That's a marriage. That's great. All right, Marla, thank you for doing this. This was fun. It was fun. I think for centuries philosophers, archaeologists, we've all tried to figure out what makes a marriage last. And so one of the things that I have said to friends of mine or younger friends of mine when they say, you know, I have this issue with marriage or I'm thinking about getting married, is you have to trust your gut. Nothing else is more important than that. And it's a nonverbal thing and it's a feeling that you feel literally in your gut or in your heart. But If you find yourself engaged and you're weeping a lot and you're finding yourself having to self-medicate, that is something to listen to. And all I can tell you in my experience is I didn't care about the dress. I bought a Vera Wang dress on sale at an outlet. I didn't care about the cake. I didn't care about the band. I just wanted to marry George. And I couldn't get to the church fast enough. And I couldn't run down the aisle and say I do fast enough. And if you start to get hung up in a whole bullion base of other reasons to get married, oh, my mother loves him, or oh, he works in my father's company, my advice to you is listen to your gut. And every marriage is different. But there is one thing that I think is the most helpful piece of advice I could give. And it's advice I've given friends, which is when you go into a marriage, go into the marriage for life. Do not go in with an out. Don't go in and say, you know what, we'll see what happens. Stay in the marriage. I mean, stay in the marriage, work at the marriage until you have literally beaten a dead horse. And then if there's no other alternative, you leave. But go in with the philosophy and the idea of this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Come war, pestilence, pandemic, I am with this person and I'm going to make it work. That's it. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. Join me next week with my guest, author, comedic actress, and television host, Annabelle Gurwich, as we talk about growing a relationship with our mortality. She went in for a COVID test and found out she had stage four lung cancer. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram, The Real Allie Wentworth. And if you have any guests or topics you'd like to share, call or text me at 323 364 6356 or email me, goaskalliepodcast at gmail.com.
Go Ask Allie is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.